Okay, we are doing Daf Kufya Dollar, starting from the last few words in Kufya Dimon Bez. The Kumar says, Amar Bach Barab, Amar Yochanan. You see the name of Yochanan? Minayin, Lashinoi, Begadim, and Torah. Where do we see a source in the Torah that it's good to change garments before you're going to do something more important? It's an honorable thing. And the reason we're mentioning this, obviously, is because we were talking about the din of Kabbat Shabbos to wear nice clothes before Shabbos, but now we're saying it's a general thing. Whenever you're changing to change what's called before they're doing something more honorable. This is by the mitzvah of Hotzah taking out the ashes after the Truma Sadeshin, that they would uplift from the ashes in this bath, it would be an avod of taking out the ashes. So the Torah says that you wear other clothes to do such a thing. You don't wear the same clothes. You have special clothes for the regular service and lower grade quality clothes if you use to take out the ashes. Tom is very, very small. The medical Torah is by the Torah specifying that he should wear other clothes when he removes the ash. The Torah is telling you. What the right thing to do is, the garments that the slave is dressed in when he cooks the pot of food for his master. I use it shouldn't be the same thing what he said that he wears when he's uh, pouring the cups of wine for his master. So, so to here, the cooking the pot of food is comparable to like the removing of the ash and the pouring of the cup of wine is doing more of like the respectables of Odas and the base of Megdo. She should have two separate pairs of clothing. Says the Gemara, It's considered disgraceful for a Tamachacham to go out with shoes that have patches in them publicly. So this great Tamachacham should look good. Says the Gemara of Rachanina did go out with patches in his shoes. Well, if it's wrong, why did he do it? Says the Gemara, it's only wrong when there's a double patch. Whereas it's not so unbecoming to have only one patch, but if, it, but if it's a double layer, that's where it's inappropriate. If you're a scholar and he has uh, some grease or whatever, some stains on his clothing, it's chayv misa. Why? It says in the Pasuk, all the people who hate me, it's a reference to the Torah, are loving death. Don't read it as those who hate me. Those the, the, those who are causing other people to hate me. So a tamachacham who doesn't look good, and he's wearing things that are dirty, so people then associate it with Torah not being good, and it causes Torah to be hated. So that's what the Torah is saying. That the people who cause other people to hate me are loving death. So it's a very strict idea. The Gemara is saying tamachacham always has to make sure he looks good and respectable. So as the Gemara Bina Amar Rabbit Idbar. No, it's not talking about a regular stain necessarily. It's talking about specifically about semen. And the idea is because it doesn't that's very unbecoming for a Tamakha. So as the Gmar below Pligi, Havaglima, it depends if we're talking about like an autogram and Havalabusha, one's talking about like the shirt. So what's the idea? That the upper one, the cloak, is something that everybody sees, it's more visible. So there even just a grease stain is considered very unbecoming. But for something that's less visible, like the shirt, then only specifically a semen stain is is disgraceful, but a regular stain is not as bad. Says the Gemara, what's the meaning here of the Pasuk? It's Pasuk in Yeshaya, where Hashem instructs the Yeshaya that he should um, take off his clothes, to take off the sackcloth, and remove his shoes. And the question is, what does this mean exactly? My servant Yeshaya, Hashem says, went naked and barefoot. Obviously, it doesn't mean Hashem literally told him to be naked and barefoot. So, how can it be understood the command of Hashem to be naked and barefoot? So, it must mean he's naked because his clothes should be worn out and that he should be wearing patches. Obviously, usually we don't do that. But that was the Xeris HaKas of what Hashem was telling Yeshaya, um, that he should do so nonetheless. It was all part of the Nevuah. But the Gemara was saying it's for sure impossible to say it was literally barefoot and naked. It must mean like that. And that complements what we were saying before, that dirty clothes are like as if there's no clothes and uh, shoes with patches as if there's no shoes. Okay, so now 
once we're mentioning this idea of stains, I've gotten the markets into a different discussion, different area of halacha. So we're talking about the halacha now of tefillah. When something comes to you have to put it in the mikvah and it can get pure. Everything has a touch in the mikvah. And if there's a chatzitza, if there's some something that separates between the baguette and the water, then 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 it's not necessarily kosher. So what's a chatzitza? So something that covers most of the garment is a chatzitza. Um, and it, or, or or another thing is, at least with the it's one or the other, either if it covers uh, rope of the baguette or if a person is makfin on it. In other words, they're going eventually to, to remove it because they're particular that it shouldn't it shouldn't be there. So now we're going to learn about what type of things are people makfin on. So it's not hasan, let's say there's greaves on a saddlecloth, a donkey, that's a chatzitza. So the saddlecloth became donkey. Uh, if the if the donkey's saddlecloth became tummy and you have to put it in the mikvah, so if there was a grease spot on it, it would be a chatzitza and it wouldn't be kosher. It depends how big it is. It has to be the size of the, the coin, the Italian iser, but smaller than that, it's not a big deal. We're not so we're not so mock. But again, the idea is how particular would people be to remove it? If they're very particular, it's a chatzitza. If not, it's not a chatzitza. So we're saying it's a chatzitza, but Shemagam is qualifying. It has to be a pretty large thing. Follow God, they may be talking about one found in regular clothes, not the saddlecloth, but the clothes. If it's only on one side, it's not a chatzitza. If it goes all the way through, then it is a chatzitza. So if it's such a, a large amount of grease that it's going through the garment onto the other side, that's that's very disturbing. No one would want to wear it like that. Therefore, it is a chatzitza. But if it's just on one side, that's just like a small stain, people wouldn't necessarily be makrid, and it's not a chatzitza, and it can become... Um, it can become pure. Rabbi Yehuda, Omer Mishum Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Yehuda says, "Open the name of Rishmael." No, even on one side, people are makvin on it, and therefore it is a chatzitza. Says the Gemara. According to Rabbi Shmuel, um, what would he say for the sackcloth? Right? We just said in the name of Rishmael that on garments, even on just one side, it's a chatzitza. So is that only because it's a garment? But a saddlecloth, maybe it has to go all the way through. Or no, the same way he said on a garment that even on just one side is a chatzitza, he would say the same thing by the saddlecloth as well. So I'm a shamati. I didn't necessarily hear about that case. But I heard something similar, and I can compare it to this. It's not. We learn in, in the next part of that mission, Rabbi Yossi, oh, Rabbi Yossi says, shel banon, close a banon, which we're going to talk about what they are, but it's definitely a sign that people are more makbidan. So there's a chatzitza, even if it's just uh, on one side. So that was Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi is disagreeing with Rabbi Yehuda, who has said in the name of Rabbi Shmuel that any one-sided stain is always a chatzitza. And according to Rabbi Yossi, it depends what type of clothes it is. If it's a clothes of banon, which people are more makran, we'll talk about what they are. So then even just one side is a chatzitza. But bore, if it's a type of clothes on a regular bore, a regular, regular person, then it's not a chatzitza until it's on both sides. Mishnei saw them. So, so, so if that's true, surely it should be that the saddle cloth shouldn't be higher and a regular person's clothes. So if, if we see a regular person's clothes, it's only chatzitza if it's on both sides. So, so it should for sure be that a regular saddlecloth is only chatzitza if it's on both sides. So even if we say by garments that one side may be by certain types of garments, but certainly we wouldn't say by a saddlecloth that just a grease on one side is a chatzitza. It's only chatzitza if it goes through until the other side. Okay, so we just had this opinion here that was being machala between grease stains and garments, whether or not it's a chatzitza, it tells what type of, what type um, what type it is. So if it was the banon, and even one side of the chatzitza, if it was regular clothes of the boar, then only if it goes through on both sides. So the Mar says, my banon. What, what is the term banon? What is it referring to? What type of clothes are these? Amar Bilchanan, ilutimilchanan. It means Torah scholars' clothes. The reason they're called banon is because they're builders. They're, they're, they're building the world. The Torah scholars always building the world with this Torah. And the idea is that they're more makrod on the stains because of the Gemara we referenced before. They always have to look more respectful. So therefore, a stain on one side is considered a chatzitza. For regular bore, for regular people, only a stain on both sides is a chatzitza. 
but for the Torah's collar's clothes, even inside, even on just on one side, it's like, that was the meaning of Rabbi Yossi. Who is considered a Torah scholar for the halacha from the Sechaz Bamatsiya that you could return a lost object to them based upon their recognition? What does that mean? So, usually, the halacha is if a regular person comes over and says, um, that just there's TSA and I, 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 you know, usually the halacha is you don't believe it. You have to prove that it's yours. You bring witnesses to get it back, or you have to have real witness, have to have real proof that you're the owner. So usually it can work. Like, for example, it's like a simon. You know something like an identifying mark on the lost object. But a Talmud if he claims he lost something and he doesn't give a simon, but if he just simply says, I recognize that that thing is mine, he makes that claim, we return it to him. It's a special privilege that a Talmud has that unlike the rest of society that we don't necessarily trust to with their tvias and to be accurate, but for the Tamachacham, his discerning eye to recognize his, his item, we trust even without a simon. So what does that mean, a Tamachacham? Who's a Torah scholar? So the level that we're talking about is that it has to be that he's a level of a Torah scholar that he would be mocked about his tunic and he would turn it around if it was backwards. So in other words, most people, who cares? We're just like, look, I have the shirt. It's worn the way it is. But Tamachacham is very meticulous about the way he looks. So therefore, since he's very meticulous about the way he looks, if it was the wrong way, he would turn it around. If he has that degree of stature for himself and that, that amount of self-respect, that's the type of Tamachacham that were Masul Aveda Betviyasena. Otherwise, if he wouldn't necessarily do that, we wouldn't give him back his lost object just with um, recognition. Says the Gemara from more criteria here for Tamil Who is your scholar that we should be fit to be a leader over a community? Someone you can ask about Allah in any area, but Omar, you can say, and not only the thing that he's learning about, anything you, any area of Torah, not only the regularly studied Mesechtas, but even Mesechtas Kala, which is a little bit off the beaten track, not usually studied as much, he's able to answer in that Mesechta as well. Who is the level of a Torah scholar that the people in the city actually have to uh, provide him with the needs? So the source of this is a Gemara in, uh, in Yuma, where the Gemara says that for the greatest some of the Chama of the city, the city is actually obligated to support them. So obviously we're only supporting the top level Chama. So who is that? So someone who would leave his own things. He's known only with things that pertain to Shemaim. This rule is only to give him bread. You don't have to give him luxuries. The idea is that he shouldn't starve. It's a it's, it's a chiv. It's an obligation upon the community to make sure that Chama have bread. But not necessarily more than that. Continues the Gemara. Who is Lava Tamachacham? Someone who asks Allah, they ask about Allah anywhere and he can say it. Who cares if he's a Tamachacham? And it was before we said, Who's a Tamachacham that you appoint as leader of the community? Now we're just saying, Who's a Tamachacham? So the mind of community, we mean to appoint him the leader of the community. If he knows just the Mesechta he's currently studying, then he could be a leader in his own place. But in other words, he's only, he, can't, he can't be in charge of more than his own place because he's only a. Uh, 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 on a certain level of scholarship that he knows what he's learning very well, but not but not in more areas. So he's only fit to be a leader of his own place. But even he's able to answer from all the teachings of the Gemara, even what he's not currently studying then, then he could be the head of the yeshiva. Okay, so until now we were saying that the Banan, the people who, who we say has, um, the Banan that, that even just on one side, the Greeks on one side is... Uh, is a chatzitza the banan were the tamid chacham? So now we learn another opinion. Rav Shimon ben Lachish Omar, what are the, what are the banan? Eli kilom kilom ayvayin abam yiginasiyam means the garments that the people, the bathhouse attendants wear. They come from very very fine materials from far away, and they would have like special special towels, um, 
And the the idea is that they would always therefore be wearing very special things that they were very, very distinguished and wanted to look very good. So that's the people, that's the type of garments that the Mishnah is referring to when it says that the Christian, even on one side, is a chatzitza. Says the Gemara, it means that they're white. Because if we're saying even just a slight a slight stain, even on just one side of the chatzitza, probably such a thing only makes sense if the color is white. If the color is not white, it wouldn't make such a sense. It wouldn't make sense. So it sounds like the bathhouse attendants wear white. Says the Gemara, says to his sons before he died, he said, Bonai, my sons, don't bury me. The shroud shouldn't be white or black. Why? Levon, they shouldn't be white. Shem below asking, maybe I'm not going to be married. I'm not going to, I'm going to be sitting in Gehenim. I'm going to look like, I'm going to look like a chasan. Like a, uh, like, like a groom amongst all the mourners. Everyone else is saying with their blackened faces in Gehenim, and I'm going to come in with white clothes. It doesn't look good. Shacharim, and if you bury me in black, Shema asking, maybe I will be fortunate, and I'm going to go to Olam Chazan. I'm also going to look weird. I'm going to look like a mourner when everyone else is uh, is happy. So don't. So he doesn't know if he should be buried or white or black. Ella, rather... Bury me in this in these types of clothing that we just referenced before, the garments of the bath bathhouse attendants. So what's the point? It's obviously a color. It's not white or black. It's a different color. Alma some can you know their color clothes. We have a steer. We were just saying that the bathhouse attendants is a type of thing that they're so mocked on, that a grease stain on only one side is a chatzitza. And we're assuming that only makes sense if they're white, because otherwise a small grease stain on one side wouldn't be that wouldn't be that big of a deal. So the kasha is. That uh, here we see Rabbi Yana saying to bury to, to, that he wants to be buried in these types of clothing, um, which are specifically not white or, or black. So the Gemara says low cash. It's not as difficult. Publicly, me Rabbi Yana is talking about the cloak, or the outer thing, the outer cloak of the bathhouse and were colored. Who was saying that they were so mocked on them and a grease side on one side, and obviously that was white. We're talking about the other garments. So the other garments of the bathhouse and are white. The cloaks were not white. So Rabbi Yana was talking about the other cloaks. Shemalakish was talking about. The regular clothes. That's interesting. Today we do bury in white trousers. It's an interesting point about uh, how we how we deviate from from beyond where we're beyond. I wanted. Okay, now we go back to the Mishnah. So just again, what was the Mishnah talking about? You're not allowed to do hachana on a holy day for a less holy day. So for example, you know, the Mishnah said you can't make up the beds on Shabbos for after Shabbos. Now, what about if um, if Yom Kippur is either Friday or Sunday? So Rabbi Yishmael holds that the sanctity of Shabbos is higher than Yom Kippur. So he says that. If you, on Yom Kippur on Friday, you can you can prepare for Shabbos. Um, whereas Rabbi Akiva held that the days are have equal sanctity. Since they have equal sanctity, you cannot prepare on Yom Kippur for Shabbos. So now the Gemara told us that the basis of that, where that came from, another another root of the Machlokas was right. We know if you bring a carbon one day, so you have the entire ensuing night to burn the sacrificial parts on the mizbeach. So what what so what happens if let's say you have um, Let's say you have the leftover carbonos from Yom Kippur that was Friday. Can you burn them on Friday night? So that that's a machlo. Can you burn them on Friday night? So so every, everybody agrees that you can't do because definitely Yom Kippur is not more than Shabbos. It's either equal according to Rabbi Akiva or or less according to Rabbi Shmuel. But vice versa, if Yom Kippur is Sunday and you have the leftover sacrificial parts from Shabbos, could you burn it on Matzah Shabbos, which is Yom Kippur? So according to Rabbi Shmuel, you could. According to Rabbi Akiva, you cannot. So now the Gemara tells us where we get this all from. So Tanara Banan. And really what we're looking at is a Pasuk, right? The Torah says after and the carbon in Parshish Benefas, after it talks about the carbon what's of Shabbos, it says, Ola Shabbos Bishabato. So it sounds like an extra phrase, Ola Shabbos Bishabato. So it sounds like on the one end we're including something more that you're able to bring that you wouldn't have been think, that you would not have thought you could bring. 
But the Pasuk is also saying a limitation. Ola Shabbos, you can bring even Ola Shabbos, but Bishabbat, only on it Shabbos, not on other Shabbos. So now we, 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 we explain where this all, what this is all talking about. So Tanar Abundance says in the price, Ola Shabbos, Bishabbat, it teaches you that if you're in Kippur, Sunday, it's mutter to bring the sacrificial parts that were left over from the Shabbos, from Shabbos. So this is the Makar, that Shabbos is more than Yom Kippur. Ola Shabbos, Bishabbat, you can bring it even on the other day of rest, even on Bishabbat, there's a reference to Yom Kippur, that Sunday, you can bring the Chalvei from Shabbos because Shabbos is a, he- a higher degree of Kedusha. You might say, so the same thing. Maybe once we're saying you can bring the fast from Shabbos on Yom Kippur, maybe the same thing. Maybe the fast from Yom Kippur, you can bring on Shabbos. Yom Kippur was Friday, had something left over. Maybe you can bring it on Shabbos. It's own Shabbos. So that's, that's excluding something. So we say it's coming to exclude the fast from Kippur being brought on Shabbos. Rabbi Shmuel has the takeaway. Shabbos has a higher degree of Kedusha than Yom Kippur. So the fast of Shabbos that weren't brought on Shabbos, you can bring on Sunday. But the fast of Yom Kippur that weren't brought on Friday cannot be brought on Shabbos. No, the puzzle is not telling you it can be brought in Kippur. It's saying it can be brought in regular Yantif. Let's say Shavuos is a Sunday, and you have fasts from Shabbos that are left over, you could bring them on Sunday. Shabbos is clearly a higher degree of Kedusha, higher degree of Kedusha than Yantif. You might think the same thing if you're on Kippur Sunday. only brought on Shabbos, that it can only be brought. And Shabbos and not in Yom Kippur. So according to Rabbi Akiva, the takeaway is that Yom Kippur is equal to Shabbos. Yom is less, but Yom Kippur is equal. Now, why did they get what they say? Says the Gemara, and further, we're analyzing further. If you analyze it further, whereas Kippur. So this is really throwing us into something else. There's a general machlokas tanam and mesachas beta on Yantif. You're allowed to do malachos of ochel nefesh. So could you bring a, a, a regular donated carbon on Yantif? On the one hand, it's kind of getting to Ochel Nefesh. It's kind of getting for you. But on the other hand, it's not really what you're doing. You're bringing a carbon. It happens to be that you're allowed to eat some of the meat afterwards. But what you're really doing is bringing a carbon. So it's Machlokas if you can bring a regular carbon or, you know, donated Shlomim or something like that. A regular donated Shlomim on Yantif. That's Machlokas Tanam. So Rabbi Yishmael holds that in the Dharma and the could be brought on Yantif. Yantif is not so machmer that you can't bring the Dharma and the So according to Rabbi Yishmael, you can bring the Dharma and the Davos. So, Lachaira, if you, that halacha is, is true, so it's certainly true that the fats that are left over from Karbanos of Shabbos can be brought on Yantif. It's not even a Chiddush. If you could bring a new Karban on Yantif, even though it's Yantif, certainly you should be able to bring the leftover, the leftover fats from the Karbanos of Shabbos and Yantav. So you don't need a Pasuk to tell you leftover fats of Shabbos could be brought on Yantav. So what's the what's the Torah coming to say? What's the Nabal? The only Chiddush could be that you could bring it even on Yom Kippur. That's why he interpreted it the way he did. Therefore, you may have said the same you can't bring it on Yantav. You can't bring leftover fats from the Karban of Shabbos on Yantav. So why do I need the Pasuk Mishri Yantav? It was necessary to say that the fats that were left over from the Kabbalah of Shabbos could be brought on Yantiv. So once that's what the Pasuk was coming to say, we don't have a source that they can be brought on Yom Kippur, and that's why Rikiva takes away that they, in fact, cannot. Continues the Gemara here. So we just brought a Machlokas, this big Machlokas, Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Shmuel holds again that the leftover fats from Shabbos Karbanos could be brought on Yom Kippur. Akiva holds they cannot. Amr, Abzeir, Kevin, and Mubabu. I used to be learning in Torah and Baba Abba Amri. I would say over there, Hadatanya says in a price, when Yom Kippur is a Friday, lo token. They didn't blow the shofar. Usually they would blow the shofar before Shabbos to tell the people, right, stop doing Balafa. But if Friday was Yom Kippur, then there was no need. Lo token, Matzai Shabbos. And if Yom Kippur was. 
was Sunday. There was no Abdullah because there's no Abdullah. Not, there's no degree of, uh, no, no, nothing I can do now different just because Shabbos ended since Yom Kippur is Sunday. So I, that's what it says. There was no, if Yom Kippur was Friday, there was no need for tequilas before Shabbos. And if Yom Kippur was Sunday, there's no need for Abdullah to end. I used to think, Divriakoli, that this halach is unanimous. Everyone agrees to that. But it's a little hustle. When I went to Eretz Yisrael, Ashley Huda, Brady, Shimon, Pazi, Rakami, Afan, Yehuda, Son of Shimon, Pazi, was sitting and saying, Rabbi Kiva, it's only going like Rabbi Akiva, that Yom Kippur is the same, and, Yom, and Shabbos have the same degree of Kedusha. Even Rabbi Shmuel, you like Rabbi Shmuel, Kiva, that Rachel, the Shabbos, Kirmi, Yantiv, Rabbi Shmuel, the leftover pass from Shabbos, Karbans, could be offered on Yantiv. So there should be tequilas. Lit God, they should blow between Yom Kippur and Shabbos, so that people will know that the leftover fast from Shabbos can be brought on Yom Kippur. So meaning, when Yom Kippur is Friday, we should we should, we we should blow going into Shabbos, even though there's nothing really different practical now, so that people will realize we're going we're having an upgrade in kedusha. Why? Why? Who cares if people know there's an upgrade in kedusha? So that in the future, if Yom Kippur would be a Sunday, they'll know that the leftover fast from Shabbos can be brought on Shabbos. It can be brought on Yom Kippur. So in other words, we have to show the people that we're going into a more Hamadik Kedusha. It might not make a difference right now, practically, when Yom Kippur is Friday, but it will make a difference for when Yom Kippur is um it'll make a difference for when Yom yeah, for when um for when Yom Kippur is Sunday, people will know they can bring the facts. So from the fact that the mission is not saying that it must be that the mission is going like Rabbi Akiva and according to Rabbi Akiva, that halach is not true. That was what they were saying in Arts of Shabbat. I mean, Allah, no, says Rabzir, when I heard that, I said, no, your proof is not good. Kohanim's reason, man. Kohanim are more zarias. Kohanim, we trust. Kohanim know everything. Kohanim know all the halachas about, you know, what, what to do in the base of Mikdash and whatnot. They know it backwards and forwards. So we never blow any, we're never, we never need to do anything to remind Kohanim of the halachas. This whole blowing thing that they would blow before Shabbat was for the regular people. But we don't ne- never have to do anything that's relevant only to Kohanim. So what the halacha that Shabbos has more Kedusha, Shabbos has more Kedusha to, to, to Yom Kippur than Yom Kippur. It's relevant to, te- to, to teach that the leftover fast on the Shabbos components can be brought in Yom Kippur. That's relevant to Kohanim. Kohanim are reason him. We don't have to instruct them in that. Says the Gemara, on my late Mark, Shisha Perizar Chisel, Ravashi, Mimi Kohanim's reason him. Is that really true? That, that Kohanim don't need reminders? Well, it's not. It says in the Mishnah, so usually they would blow 21 shofar blasts in the base of Mikdash with the closing of the gates and the carbonos, whatever. That's what the Mishnah is mentioning. But on a regular Friday, there were another, there were more shofars. Three that would stop people from doing work. And three to, 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 to be mavdo when Shabbos actually started. So where did we blow them? It says they were blowing them in the base of Mikdash. So who are you who are you reminding? Obviously, if you're blowing the base of Mikdash, the Gemara assumes you're reminding the Kohanim. But we just said Kohanim's reasoning. So why why do you need to remind them? So the answer is because I'm Rabbi Elisham and Yishlam Achanan Yishlam Yishlam. We're borrowing something Rabbi said in another context. We're applying it here that the purpose, even though they blew it in the base of Mikdash, but the purpose was that everyone in the city were here. The purpose wasn't that for the Kohanim to hear. The Kohanim are super conscientious. The Kohanim's reason maybe we don't need to remind them of anything. They know halacha backwards and forwards. But they would blow it in the base of Mikdash for the benefit of the people outside. Okay, great. So bottom line is. Is that this the, the we had this prize that said that when Yom Kippur was Friday going into Shabbos, there was no need to blow the shofar because there's not going any practical differences were going in to uh, that were going in to Shabbos and when Shabbos when Yom Kippur was Sunday and when Shabbos exited there was no Habdullah. This can be according to everybody both Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Now the Gemara has a question: The Liska there should still be tekios when Yom Kippur is Friday going into Shabbos. People should be aware to People should know that Yom Kippur is more lenient than Shabbos. It's about the halacha of trimming vegetables. So what's this halacha? So normally. If you have like want to trim vegetables, you want to like cut away some of the spoiled parts from the vegetables so that the vegetables will be all ready to be chopped up for cooking later, 
so normally such a thing as in Shabbos is not is not allowed. It seems that the reason it's not allowed is terrifying. You might be wondering why it's not for for a different time. But the bottom line is is that there's something that we don't do that on Shabbos. On Shabbos, we don't prepare the vegetables to be all ready to be chopped up. It seems like it's like a lot of tirkla to do it. So we, it's generally something that we don't do on, on Shabbos. That's what Rashi understands, Knivas Ayerikis. So even though we don't do that generally on Shabbos, and even generally in Yom Kippur also, we don't do that. However, there's a special permit that in Yom Kippur afternoon, from Mincha time and on, we allow the vegetables to be prepared to be chopped up. Why do we do that? So the fascinating thing we're going to see is because it actually makes the fast harder. And the harder that the fast gets, the better. Because the mitzvah of Yom Kippur is Nisim uh, Esnafshosechem, right? That we're supposed to be afflicted. So the more pain people are in, it's like a better fulfillment of the mitzvah. It's a better fast. So we're making halacha of, of, of preparing the vegetables for chopping on Yom Kippur. So there's one aspect of leniency in Yom Kippur that Shabbos doesn't have. On Yom Kippur, we allow uh, preparing the vegetables for cutting from the late afternoon of Yom Kippur. And we do not allow that on Shabbos. And here, on Yom Kippur going into Shabbos, so we should blow the shofar to indicate that leniency that Yom Kippur has over Shabbos. Now, it's not. Red, it's not practical right now. There's no difference. You know, Yom Kippur is going into Shabbos. There's no practical difference at all. But, um, but, but, but in general, we should do. We, we should still blow to show that we're going into something more severe. Why will it matter? It will matter in general that people will know the halacha that Yom Kippur is more uh, lenient than Shabbos. It may not make a difference right now, but, 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 but it will be known that conceptually that. Um, um, that, that general, in, gen, in general, Yom Kippur has a leniency that Shabbos doesn't have. So the Gemara says, Omar Yosef, No, why, why do we blow? We, we blow people to teach, to teach chumras. We don't te- blow to teach people, to teach people kulas, right? We blow to tell people what they can't do. We don't blow in order to teach people what they're allowed to do. So here, what do you want? What's the purpose of the blowing? To show that Yom Kippur is more lenient. In which aspect? Oh, it's more lenient than Shabbos in the aspect that in Yom Kippur afternoon you can you can you can prepare the vegetables. So that people there will be a leniency that uh, the next Yom Kippur people will know that they're allowed to allowed to chop vegetables. That's not why we blow the shofar. We blow the shofar to tell people what they can't do. And since it's not relevant right now this year about chopping the vegetables, preparing for Shabbos, obviously, anyways, you're not you're not cooking these vegetables now. It's this year. You just want that in the future people will know on another Yom Kippur that they're allowed to do it. They're allowed to do a hetter, so that's not relevant for right. Um, that, that's not relevant to so, so that that we don't blow the shofar to teach people hetter. We t- we blow the shofar to teach people what they can't do. That's the first answer. says no. Really, we would blow the shofar to teach people hetter, but only hetter that are relevant right now. Not to teach people Hatarim about something in the future to come. So this is not relevant right now, because remember, right now, anyways, you're going into Shabbos. Or anyways, you're going into Shabbos, you're not going to be cooking vegetables anyway tonight. You're not making any preparations tonight. So it's just to teach people that in general, Yom Kippur, you're allowed to be trimming vegetables. When will that be relevant? Next year, we don't blow the shofar for a distant reminder. So we have two uh, different answers. We have a kasha. Why don't we blow the shofar when Yom Kippur is Friday, going into Shabbos? You should blow the shofar to show people that Yom Kippur is more lenient. Which aspect? That in the future, trimming vegetables is mutter in Yom Kippur afternoon, even though generally on Shabbos is also. We have two answers why we don't do that. According to Rav Yosef, we don't blow the shofar to teach Hatarim. And according to Rav Shisha, we, don't, we would blow it to, to, to show Hatarim, but not a hetar for the, fu- for the future. Only a hetar that's relevant right now. Okay, that's the machlokas. 
So the Gemara asks on the second answer, is it really true? The second answer holds that we are, we are we would blow the shofar for shvus. That's right now, for to to matzer something for right now. So it's Mara It says in the Mishnah, when Yantif is on Friday token, you blow the shofar going into Shabbos because there it makes sense. You have so many new halachos that are usher because of Shabbos. You can't cook, for example, so you blow. On, on on Friday afternoon, that is Yontif. There's no Abdullah because after uh, there, there's no Abdullah because there's nothing that becomes less severe. Um, in other words, when you when 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 you're going into um, when 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 after when Abdullah is not going to be after Yontif, that's followed by Shabbos, right? Because there's nothing less. There's nothing less that you can do now because now the opposite. You're going into Shabbos. If you're going into Shabbos, so there's nothing to make Abdullah for. The opposite. You make a Kiddush. So Matzei Shabbos, and if the and if Yontif is a Sunday, so Mavdila, you make Abdullah because you're going down. There's many things now that you're allowed to do because Shabbos ended. But low token, there's no Takiya Shofar at the end. There's no Takiya Shofar at the end after Shabbos. So the Mar says, Am I, why don't we, why don't we blow on Matzei Shabbos, there should be a specific blowing that's done. Litka, we should blow. People should know that right now they can go make a shechita. If it's true that blowing the shofar is something we'll do to inform people of heterim, which the second answer seems to understand, we should blow right after Shabbos in order to tell people right now, instruct them, you could go make your shechitas because it's yantif. That's what the Gemara is questioning. LMI must be, you never blow the shofar to inform of heterim. You only blow to and form of Yisurim, and the Gemara concludes that Machpatik Rav Yosef, what Rav Yosef said is right. You never blow to teach a term. You only blow to teach Yisurim. Now, the Gemara is very troublesome because the Gemara, it sounds like the Gemara wanted a tekiah after Shabbos from Yantif. You never have such a thing, right? The tekiah is always before the day begins. So it's a little bit strange, the whole comparison of the Gemara, but it seems that's what the Gemara wanted, and we're getting to the bottom line is that we do not blow the shofar to inform people of Eterim. We only blow to inform people of Yisurim. And uh, that's the reason why we don't blow the shofar to teach people the halacha. Yom Kippur is more lenient that you can prepare the vegetables, trim the vegetables on Yom Kippur afternoon. Okay. Says the Gemara, now we just established again that trimming vegetables is mother Yom Kippur and the Minchal Amayla. In general, on Shabbos, it's not. So the Gemara has an interesting question. Let's say it's both. Let's say Yom Kippur is also Shabbos. He holds you can't do the trimming of the vegetables. Normally on Yom Kippur you could, but if it's also Shabbos you can't because it has the Chumar of Shabbos. Since it's also the Chumar of Shabbos, you're not allowed. To, you're not allowed to trim the vegetables Yom Kippur afternoon that year. How do we know Yom Kippur Shabbos that in that year it's also to cut the vegetables? It says about Shabbos it's a it's a Shabboson. It's a Shabbos. It's a, it's a it's a day of rest. So what's the coming to say? What's what's the brisa emphasize? What is the pasuk emphasizing that Shabbos is a specific day of rest? Lamai, what type of resting we're talking? Even lachas talking about general iser deraisa iser vaksi losasakam lacha. We already know there's losasakam lacha. It's a, it's clear in the Torah. You're not allowed to do any lacha on Shabbos. Like that's not what Shabboson is adding. El alad and kibbutz It's adding this halacha of trimming the vegetables. Shmami know that that's what the price is coming to say, that you can't trim the vegetables on Yom Kippur, Shechal Yos B'Shabbos. And now we see another view. Amar Chibar, Amar Yochum, Rishul Chal Shabbos, Motu Nekim Ezeherik. No, you're allowed to do Nekim Ezeherik. Just on Yom Kippur. We're makel to do it so to intensify the, the the distress of the fast. So too, even if it's on Shabbos, 
you're allowed to do such a thing. So this is Gemara Meitzvah. What about this price? So Lamai, what's it saying that Shabbos and Shuas? It's coming to tell you to Molochah and Shabbos. We know you can't do Molochah and Shabbos. Because it was Sasek and Molochah. Elav and Akiva Zayarka must be coming to say, and Akiva Zayarka is Aser. So, so you see that when you're in Kippur Shabbos, you cannot do Kniva Zayarka. It's only Mutter on a regular Yom Kippur. It says, It's really coming to say, And really cutting the vegetables, uh, the, trimming the vegetables is Mutter. On Yom Kippur that Shabbos. I why do I need the pasuk to tell me about malacha? Even though it's already, I already knew it was a, a losa. I said do malacha on Shabbos. The brisa, the pasuk is expounding from Shabboson that is also a day of rest to also add that it's a it's it's it's, it's an essay uh, to to refrain from work. But 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 in terms of the drabbanan of kniva sayerik of trimming the vegetables, which is only aser mishum generally, and we're makel on Yom Kippur to add the stress to the fast. You'd be makel to do it even if Yom Kippur also was Shabbos. Says the Gemara, "Tanik Rabbi Yochanan, Allah is like Rabbi Yochanan." It says in the Brayso, "Yom Kippur Shachalus b'Shabbos, Mother Nikiva Zayarik." The same way we're on a regular Yom Kippur, we're makel even if it's Shabbos. Because we're running, you're also allowed to crack nuts and pomegranates. Men call them ayla from minchan on with ne agmas nevish. And here is where we get it that it makes it intensifies more of the fast, and you're allowed to do the agmas nevish in order to intensify the fast. By the way, there are shenim who learn the opposite. That the reason why we're makel is so that people can eat right away. Agmas nefesh means so that you'll be have all the food prepared, ready to go for after the fast. But Rashi Shita, that it means mamish means the opposite. You're allowed to do something that makes fasting harder because it's a better kiyum of an isim The Gemara says a story. It's very reviewed The people of Rabbi house were trimming the cabbages and kipper for afterwards. So Rabbi Gadikari, they would. They would be scraping away the pumpkins to get them all ready for, for the fast, for after the fast. Keeping the chasim wachafi. But then Rabbi saw they were doing it too early. It was only had to do it from the time of Minchanan, right? Why? Because that's the most intense time of the fast. So it's going to be, it's going to intensify. If you let it do it in the morning, yeah, in the morning anyways, you're not hungry. So you're only allowed to do it at the time that the fast is intense. So he saw, Rabbi saw they were doing it too early. Amalui said, Oh, a letter came from Mary Tisrael. The new letter, the new law came from Rabbi Yochanan that you're not allowed to do such a thing. So the truth is, Rabbi Yochanan didn't say such a thing. Rabbi Yochanan hold his mother when your kipper is on Shabbos. But Rabbi made up, he lied about such a letter so that people would not accept it because you didn't like that they were doing it too early. So therefore, he just made up that the letter came out that Yom Kippur Shachaz for Shabbos actually, you're not allowed to be doing Kniva Sayyarach.